Welcome to the Gamers Inn. Come on in, pull up a chair next to the fire. It looks like you've had a long journey. I'm your host, Jocelyn, and joining me as always is my co-host, Ryan. Hello, Ryan. Hello. Uh, we are also joined by oh. another voice tonight. I was going to scream boy, but it's fine. We'll just introduce the guests. It's fine. Uh, so we have my co-host from the Angry Chicken Ridiculous Hat is also here to talk all about Ragnarok. Hello. That's me. We're here. It is. Very excited to talk about Ragnarok. I mean, this is like, this is worlds combined for me. Like, I'm so excited to have you guys like meet and podcast and everything else because you're both great. And uh, yeah, this is just like wild. It's like my two shows have just smooshed together into this one God of War melting pot. <laughs> yeah. Now we, we should have picked a game with a card mechanic, which there is a few of them out there. I'm pretty sure that Hat will talk about Inscription if we want to. <laughs> oh, yeah. Okay. Let's do that. Did you play the Casey's mod or? Yeah, it's, it's yes. Okay, yes, perfect. Cool. What are we talking about? <laughs> <laughs> We're here to talk about uh, Ragnarok, God of War Ragnarok. So if you guys have not played through Ragnarok, I know you two have, but uh, the audience, the listeners, if you guys have not played through Ragnarok start to finish, uh, this is not the show for you. I am sorry. <laughs> But um, this is our uh, spoiler cast. This is our Inside the Game episode, or as Hat has named it, Pod of War Ragnatok. So, (laughs) 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 which is amazing. But basically, uh, we are not going to hold back anything. This is full spoilers starting now. So um, if you guys haven't played through the game or if you're trying to avoid spoilers, then uh, we will see you next week. But otherwise, we have a lot to talk about. Um, Ragnarok is a huge freaking game, and I don't know how long it took me to play through the first game, but this one just felt bigger. I think it took me 30, almost 30 hours by the end. I think my final save is like 2948. Yeah, no, it is a bigger game. I feel like, um, when you, when you put them side by side, this one, I mean, you're exploring all nine realms, you're... You're running around as as different sets of characters. I don't know why I'm still trying to avoid spoilers, but yeah, like there's lots of there's lots more to this game, and and even the optional content feels um, beefier this time around. Yeah, it's um, I feel like the base game is actually like more condensed, but the pacing is so different. There's like there's one spot I can think of where everything really slows down, Ironwood, where you're just kind of. Oh, the yak for a few hours, and yeah, nice yak. It's not the yak. It's not Yellow's fault. She's fine. It's not her fault. But the first game. So my wife had seen me play God of War 2018, but she'd never played it herself. So what? When I started Ragnarok, she started 2018, and we played at the same time. And I got to watch her experience that game as I experienced Ragnarok. That game's like kind of drawn out too. The first. Remember the first time you get to Lake of Nine, and you're just like, oh, we're just gonna have to explore all of this. And there's so much of it. So Ragnarok, I think, pushes you through the story a bit more aggressively. And then it's constantly like reminding you, hey, by the way, you can do some side quests. But in terms of actually finishing the game, like 30 hours, I'm pretty sure the first game was close to like 35 or 40 for me in terms of finishing the mainline story. Yeah, I, I feel like I blew through the story a little bit faster because, again, I was trying to finish 2018 before Ragnarok came out. So I was kind of like in this like go, go, go mentality. And it's funny that you mentioned that this game is always reminding you that you can go and do side quests. Like I felt that the side quests were pretty well laid out because they always felt like I might as well do this because I'm here. Like, I don't think I had any side quests left over by the time I got to the end of the story. And that's just because 
Like everything was right there, ready to go and ready to do. But it almost had like in my head the the opposite problem to Mass Effect 3. So for you guys who've been listening long enough to, you know, go all the way back to when Mass Effect 3 first came out, I had a really hard time with that game because the whole entire time they were like, oh my God, the Reapers are coming. The Reapers are coming. We're all going to die. Go, 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 go. And in this game, it's like, yeah, Odin and Ragnarok, it's like coming or whatever. But if you wanted to go like find the orb or like collect chickens, all good. We got time. And I'm like, what is this? <laughs> like there was no like the world is ending push. They like Mimir kept being like, chill out, brother. You're fine. <laughs> you know, go help our friends in other realms. Clean up loose ends. And I'm like, what is this? <laughs> it's paradise for, for folks that want to finish everything and not have to worry about the there world was ending. no pressure. <laughs> yeah. And well, which is nice because I mean, the subtitle for the game is literally, hey, uh, the world's ending. And I think it's built into Norse lore. It's just like Fimblewinter lasts for however many uh, winters before Ragnarok. And it's almost like Ragnarok came a little early, I think, in this game. I think <laughs> um, because it's it's um, it just it feels like they they set up the story in a way where Ragnarok is coming some characters want it. Some characters think it's necessary. Other characters like want nothing to do with it. And um, it just, it happens because our characters take certain actions and and, that, and then that triggers Ragnarok, right? But uh, it's never like set in stone that it's going to happen on Tuesday. There's really like <laughs> a point in which in the game where you know it's happening tomorrow because you are, you are causing it to happen. And you know that in the story. And, they, and they're very clear about that. Um I mean, you got to, what is it? You got to blow the horn, right? Gallahorn or whatever. Yeah. You have to blow the horn. Yeah. So like, as long as you basically have like total agency to do whatever you want right up into the point. And they remind you so many times they're like, there's no turning back after this. And then Lunda's like, Hey, by the way, you should gear up because you won't get another chance. I'm like, okay, I get it. I'm going to blow the horn. And then that's the end game. I understand. <laughs> but there were so many, many reminders, but, but, before we get into the story and everything, I kind of wanted to take a few minutes to just talk about like the mechanics of the game and and kind of how it differs from the previous game. Because uh, one of my gripes of 2018 was that you get your like blades so late that you don't kind of really learn them or master them and they're upgrade wise, they're behind your axe. And like, why would you ever use the blades except for the people that have the like auras you have to break? Um, and then I was like, but they didn't do that in this one. They just gave you all your weapons up front. And I was wrong. <laughs> so Spear comes into the middle of the game this time. And uh, how did you guys feel about the mechanics of like fighting with the spear? Pat? So, all right. First of all, Dropnir, super cool. Really, really cool. Really interesting. I wasn't, I wasn't expecting them to make a weapon at all. Mm-hmm. And they did, and it, it like it felt distinct, but still like really cool. The 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 shtick of like replicating was really rad. Um, and it, it's it, you know it plays into the Spartan background of like you know how to use a spear the second that you pick it up. Um, I like a lot about it, but also I definitely feel like I never figured out how to use it because my patterns were so ingrained by like two thirds into the game yeah. that I used the runic attacks. And then I pressed triangle, and then I usually switched. Um, but it was fun. It was cool. I don't know. 
I love that you I know do. how to use the runic attacks because I had the same freaking problem in this game that I had in the previous game is that they told me one time how to do that. I forgot and it's not listed anywhere. So again, I just r one my way through the entire fucking game, <laughs> which is You're not boring great at as using shit. Abilities. <laughs> didn't, isn't in 2018, didn't you not use Spartan Rage? At I all? didn't. I was so worried that. So that's the one thing I did after we had our conversation about 2018 is I did Spartan Rage in this one a lot more often, and it was pretty fun. Um, and you had the three different kinds of rage, which you got to choose between that you didn't in the first one. Um, but yeah, that was a really big problem in, in, for me in the first one is I was worried that if I used it, then I wouldn't have it when I needed it. And then I still had a full rage bar at the end of the game. <laughs> Josh, it is Spartan that. rage. It is not Spartan anxiety. You got to like <laughs> get that out. <laughs> but yeah, and then so in this one, I used rage so much more often, but um I, I still, I never used like runic anything. Like I, I slotted stuff in just to make the exclamation marks go away. But then I was like, I don't actually know what buttons to push to do this. So I just never did. <laughs> yeah. I, well, it, the thing is um, about the abilities. I, I think if you, once you get the hang of uh, the button, like I've been honest, like I think that the, the first God of War game 2018 and this one, it feels like it's a fighting game. Like when you enter an arena you're fighting a certain amount of enemies and they have all these button combinations and it's, it's similar to a fighting game and like, okay, I have to remember like push, hold L1, then push L2 to, to do or not L1, then R1 to do something and, and, and to, you know, trigger all your abilities and stuff. And, and if you, if that leaves your mind, like it can be hard to, to pull that back. And there are like some prompts, but you're right, Jocelyn, it's not as, it's not as clear, but like those abilities, I think, come in real handy when you're fighting some of the more optional bosses and, and, and the more difficult content that is present with like the Valkyrie fights in the first game. And then the, um, uh, berserker guys. Yeah. The berserker guys. And, uh, that's where I use them the most. And I, you had, I had to use them strategically. So I wasn't, so I wasn't dying, but, um, when it came to the spear, like I felt early on, it was like, it was so new that you're like, oh, I, I really want to use this and, and and get used to it. But it doesn't really come into its into its um in line with the other weapons in, in a quality standpoint until you start upgrading it and realize like it has a really cool ability to pull um the essence of an enemy, so whether they're ice or poison or fire, and then augment your attacks with that ability. And it just, it it changes things so much. And it really, it gives you so many more tools. I don't think I ever got to that point <laughs> in of upgrading the spear. Like it's down the path. Oh, in the actual like, um, like talent weapon, talent tree things. Yeah. Yeah. It's okay. It's a little further down the abilities and there are multiple abilities that will allow you to pull that essence in, in different ways. And, um, it and and then it's also combined with some of the additional runic abilities that you get with with drop near as well. So it it really changes things up. And and I and I felt like when they introduced it, like this is quite late for a weapon. It felt like you know the blades you got in the first one was about the halfway mark. It felt like that. Um, but when we got drop near, it's like man, they're really introducing a weapon this far along. It must be just for like the optional content. But there is a good chunk left of the game. Yeah, and there's one fight where you absolutely have to use it. Yeah, exactly. 
Like, Mimir starts yelling at you if you try to change your weapons in that fight. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, well, for good yeah, reason. Yeah, there's a scripted fight. There are a few that, like, and also, Joss, I know you didn't do as many of the, like, the berserkers and stuff. There are definitely a few endgame fights where they're like, hey, you should really use Dropnir. Hey, you should really <laughs> use that. Um, you know, like, it's the blades were necessary in the first one. The Outside of the one, uh, was it the Heimdall fight, right? Yeah, yeah. Yeah. And oh man, I just I'm gonna take a second here. I'm gonna relish in the moment of blowing his stupid arm off with the spear. Just <laughs> ooh, ooh, that was good stuff. Really That's enjoyed so that. funny. Um, and I mean, like, obviously, this is getting into a little bit of of story here, but uh, I didn't even want to kill him. <laughs> I was like, isn't there a way we can keep this guy around? Because he's just speaking truth bombs, man. Like, he didn't annoy me at all. Atreus. <laughs> oh. <laughs> annoyed the crap really? out of me and then so Heimdall would call him out on his bullshit and I was like yes I'm here for this give it to him Heimdall <laughs> Jocelyn you're not supposed to like Heimdall he's I know he's really the bad guy like he like of all the people until Odin at the very end when he does turn and, and twist his mustache and like haha I'm actually really evil I saw that coming <laughs> but like Heimdall is like right off the get-go not a great dude and hates everybody and uh he's, he's a big jerk I, I mean you know that's Again, like, I just thought he was being truthful. I'm like, he is a spoiled, rotten little brat who is entitled and, like, all, this other, all the other stuff that he said on that elevator ride down. I was like, get him! Get him, Heimdall! <laughs> I, was, I was Heimdall's biggest fan. <laughs> team Heimdall was not a stance I was expecting here no. on the Gamers In. There's no team. But There's here no team we Heimdall. are. It's just <laughs> Jocelyn and Heimdall, basically. So. <laughs> That's all we need, man. Jocelyn Heimdall versus the world. <laughs> or I guess yeah, just Jocelyn. He's now. not around anymore. He's dead. <laughs> yeah, he, yeah. He did. You <laughs> killed him. You did that. I know I did that. Oh, man. There were a couple of times in the game where I definitely Googled, like, can I avoid this fight? Because <laughs> they were like things that I didn't want to do and things I didn't want to kill. <laughs> And turns out, no, no, you cannot avoid those boss battles. Um, but yeah, so speaking of like getting into different weapon types and doing different things and like that kind of muscle memory and stuff, they forced you quite a few times to even like right up into the end game, into the very final story moments to go between Kratos and Atreus and play as your like beefed up melee character or your like pew 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 little ranged character how did you guys feel about being like forced out of one or the other like whatever was your favorite you didn't get to do it all the time how how did you guys feel about that choice um hat ryan first okay ryan ryan (laughs) sure um so well here's the thing i was trying to go in as spoiler free as possible and and credit to sony santa monica with their marketing at least pre-release and i think i haven't even seen it post-release either but they kept the fact that Atreus was a playable character hidden for the most part. Um, so when I got when when they introduced Atreus in that first sequence where you're running around with Sindri, no idea that we were going to be playing with with other characters. I I totally thought it was going to be Kratos and Atreus against the world. And when that swapped, and I thought, oh, is this us just running around as Atreus? Is this like a guided sequence? That's kind of neat. No, there's a whole new tech tree and abilities and. Sindri has has his own abilities as well. And um, look, I'll, I'll say this, like I, I preferred to play as Kratos. That's where I'm most comfortable in terms of um, the movesets, especially having come off of 2018 
uh, so quickly into this one. Um, when I when I got to play as Atreus, I didn't mind it. I, I thought that he was just he's a little more squirrely. He he liked to you know <laughs> get in there sometimes with the melee and stuff. But I think the tone is set right away when he comes to his first chest and he tries to open it by smashing it with his fist, <laughs> and it doesn't work. And that pretty much tells you how it's going to go for the rest of the game, and that he has to use his bow. Mind you, that bow, I don't know how strong that bow is, but he uses it to open things, and I'm like, that thing's going to snap, but it doesn't, never well, does. He uses it as a melee weapon, too, and like speaking of like muscle memory, is I that's how I played Atreus, is him <laughs> just running around smacking people with his bow, because I was just like, well, I R1 Kratos, I guess I'm an R1 Atreus player. <laughs> So I have I have a question for both of you. Yeah, go ahead. Yeah. Did either of you know about Atreus's triangle grapple? Uh oh. Uh I accidentally did that right at the very, very end is because I was so used to recalling the axe with triangle that I hit it on Atreus and I was like, what is he doing? <laughs> Wait, what does he do? I've never I never did it. Does he like grab the enemy and so if you hold L1 and triangle you shoot like it's like the blades of chaos hyperion grapple where you shoot uh, like a rope at something you hit it and you zoom to it and you smack them oh i think i did it once and then i never did it like talking about button combinations like i think that one i i never went back to after the initial the controls are so involved and i didn't realize this again uh, like until i watched my wife try and pick up the first game and i thought about it's like you use every button like three different ways. There's yeah. a lot going on here. And you start every fight like L1, R1, L1, R2, L1 circle, left arrow, L1, R1, L1, R2. Like, just, <laughs> it's, it's like a dance. There's just a lot of buttons that you have to press and move around. And, and they have combat actions bound to the sticks. So I just kept, you know, I meant to sprint. Nope, guess I'm angry now. Like it just would happen <laughs> sometimes. <laughs> Well, I mean, that happens when I try to sprint IRL. I get real angry. Yeah. So why am I running? Sense. This makes me Yeah, angry. why am I running? Yeah, rage. <laughs> but yeah, it's the Atreus section. So like, the systems in this game do feel a bit more fleshed out, and I was surprised at how thoroughly thought out that stuff was—the skill trees and all that. And the best part of the Atreus missions is that you got to spend time with the side characters, and basically all the side characters in this game are fantastic. I really like all of them, and you got to spend some one-on-one -on -one time with them. You got to hear their dialogue. It was more interesting in many ways, even though Ironwood, as mentioned before, took too long. That should have been about half the duration. Um, the main thing that was missing from the Atreus segment was compelling combat. But the game is called God of War, not God of Side Quest Dialogue. So, like, I do think that there's some... I wish the combat there had been more compelling. Like, I, I, there was more Atreus time than I thought. It was mostly expository. Glad we got to spend more time with the side characters, but I was always excited to get the axe back. Yeah, I, I feel like that's pretty much how where I landed, too, is that like I wasn't a huge fan of Atreus as a character. So then spending time with him talking like it was interesting, the people he got to talk to. Like, I really enjoyed the sections where like he was with Thor and they got to like have their back and forth and stuff because I, I liked getting to know like characters who you would tend to see only as the enemy and maybe not get a lot of their perspective on things in other games like atreus's role in that way was very interesting but yeah i could have i could have done without like the arrow combat and uh and then they gave all of atreus's like arrows to freya and vice versa and i was like okay so you guys are now just the same okay <laughs> <laughs> yeah that is a good point, though. I think my favorite part of the Atreus sections was um, 
getting to explore the world with with other characters. Because again, like Thor and Kratos were never gonna run around buddy but not even buddy buddy, but run around together trying to solve a problem. And I think some of my favorite Atreus moments where um when you're in Muselheim and you're with Thor and you're like the whole time trying to convince him to go do the trials. Like, it's super fun. Do you have fun? Do you not like fun? And uh, eventually gets him to go off and and then you get to go and um, do your own thing. But it was those moments that were really cool. But, but again, you're right. Like the Kratos's combat is more fun because it's more, it's just, it's it's, more fleshed out. It's the focus, right? (laughs) Exactly. And, but you know, that being said, like, I think, I wouldn't want to, and we'll get we'll get to this near the end of of the podcast. But I wouldn't want to play a full game of Atreus. But I didn't mind <laughs> spoilers. Spoilers you know. in our spoilers. <laughs> yeah, no. I mean, it's all fair game. But I I wouldn't want to play a whole Atreus game. But I was fine jumping back and forth. I think that's the problem, you know, for another designer down the road to sort out. But in this game, I always knew I was going to go back to Kratos, and I wasn't necessarily on a time crunch to finish the game. I was going at my own pace and I was like I'm, I was fine like okay I'm I'm good because we're progressing the story and this is a story-based game and because the story was moving forward with Atreus as well as with Kratos I mean unless I'm missing something I don't think it um you know Atreus running away didn't really leave it at a cliffhanger because Kratos was kind of like he was cool to just chill he's like I don't want Ragnarok as much as anybody else so I'm I'm good to just like hunker down with the wolves and hope for the best right but um <laughs> i i get it the combat it, it is so different and it was jarring at first for sure um i guess i just got used to swapping back and forth but i wouldn't be like character select screen how do you want to explore the world atreus or or, or kratos like i i'd choose kratos for sure yeah uh what did you guys think about the gear itself because they introduced unless i'm totally wrong the amulet with all of the different slots that's new right <laughs> Yes, <laughs> I didn't somehow miss that in 2018. Okay, so it is new. I do want to talk about it uh, because I kind of realized about two thirds of the way through the game, which also is about the point, I think, where you have enough slots for this to start to matter. But I kind of got to my sixth unlock of my slots. And then I realized I was starting to get like duplicates because I had been unlocking like Spartelheim's Valor and then... um Helheim strength or something like that um and I kind of had like one for each realm and then all of a sudden like I got a second one for like Vanaheim and then I was like wait a minute there's more than one of these like gems what's going on here and then realized that they had like a set bonus on them and I was like hey I have six open slots I've repaired in my amulet now and then I did like three from Nefelheim I think and three from uh Helheim I think was the combination that I went with uh, what did you guys think about the like introduction of set bonuses with the amulet and hat? I'm going to you first on this one. <laughs> okay, okay, okay. So, thing back to 2018. Joss, you played it relatively recently. I did. The worst part of equipment was if you compared in shop, it always compared your slotted equipment with unslotted. You had to unslot everything to see if it was actually there, then swap it, then remember which which enchantments you had, then reslot them, and always just move them around and shuffle them. The amulet just said, no, 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 just put them right here. It'll be fine. Don't worry about messing with your weapon. Just put them, put whatever you want on right here, and it'll stay here. I really like not having to shuffle things around all the time. Because God of War 1, it's, or 4, whatever, the, the, the most recent <laughs> Norse one, um, you had to, 
you had like three slots on your weapon and on your chest and on your wrist yeah. and on your belt and on your belt. Be- 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 it's just so much to keep track of. And you end up with like 15 different slots that you had to juggle around. I'm glad we didn't have to deal with that. Um, and the set bonuses, I think, were somewhat interesting because a lot of this game is allowing the player to be guided if they want to. Uh, but the systems are a little like they're more complex than they seem to the point where I think both of you having some anecdotes about how I learned this thing at the very end of the game. I did too. The little icons above the weapons and the armor are sorting by stat. So you can sort by runic. You can sort by cooldown. You can sort by luck. That took me 40 hours to figure out. <laughs> but you can See, look, I figured are... that out right away and went, that's way deeper than I want to go. Just show me all. <laughs> yeah. And so you end up like there are different armor sets where you can like have a cooldown kit. You use the cooldown armor and then all the cooldown gems and like and you're really cool. Um and then you can do the the luck set and do all the luck stuff and you're super lucky and just you can theme pretty clearly. Or you can mix and match however you want. There is some depth to it, but I do think at a certain point it becomes overwhelming and players just pick what they like and just leave it there. Uh, so I wonder if there was a middle ground or if it just it allows room for min-maxing, but it's also super not necessary. Maybe that's ideal. Yeah, I think overall it it did a, a pretty good job of making, like the set bonuses in particular, did a good job of giving me a little bit of guidance. And I found that like all three pieces of a set bonus or like from a specific realm gave me the thing that determined the bonus, right? So it's like if um, the bonus is determined by defense, then all of the Niflheim ones, and I'm pulling names out of my butt, so don't go and get mad if this is the wrong set bonus. But basically it's like if the if the Niflheim set bonus had um, was based on defense, all of the gems from that realm had defense and something else. So it's like you couldn't screw it up. <laughs> it was like you were getting the bonus uh, or you were like stacking the stat that then you would get the most benefit from in the bonus. So it was like not necessarily handholdy, but it's like it was hard for me to 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 mess things up. And it kind of like also let me think about what my gear was doing because I found again I had like one piece of gear or like one gear set that I just kept upgrading to max whether it was the smartest one or not um and then I was like okay how can I like balance out my build a little bit and I used the amulet to do that and I didn't feel punished like I felt like it all kind of just meshed (laughs) without me having to go super deep into gear like i took a very superficial approach to it and i didn't feel penalized yeah no i mean once i found um a set of gear that that i wanted to sort of take into the end game um and 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 it was gear i found probably in the later third two-thirds of the game definitely the second half and it's like yeah the amulet uh, removes one of the worst parts that i found about the first game because i'm not a min maxer i'm not going to sit there and try to figure out like how can I push this specific set just a little bit further, you know, to get your overall gear level up? Um, I didn't do that. So moving all of that to the amulet was really cool. And I found that it um, it upgraded, you know, on a, at a steady clip, but you didn't get it max level um, too, too late in the game, at least when I was playing. So it, it was a good balance. But yeah, the set bonuses, I, I think... Um, I think, you know, the fact that you only have to, I th- I might be wrong, but I think you only have to equip two of the set to get the bonus. Is that correct? Or am I, or am I misremembering? 
Um, I did three, but I didn't pay attention to if something happened when there was two because it showed me like there were three icons uh, above the set bonus. And so I just filled all the holes. <laughs> so maybe um maybe I'm wrong. Maybe you do need to equip all of them. But I was kind of looking at, you know, as I was entering the end game, like, okay, what's like the best sort of build for, you know, just basically um a wrath build basically to, to go around and and uh, do as much damage as possible as, as Kratos. And I think it was like a mixture of like the dragon armor and then the berserker armor as well. So like you can mix and match as you want. And then as you said, Jocelyn kind of fill in the gaps with the amulet. Um, but if you don't want to, you like, you don't have to, like you can use the amulet to just augment your abilities, like increasing. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah. I think one was like a new move, which is like, a, they call it death from above where you can like leap off of ledges and there's lots of ledges um, that you can leap off of in the game while you're in these arenas. And, and it's just, there's more verticality to the combat and then you could augment that with your amulet by basically making those abilities much stronger or I think increasing like the weight, the shock wave as you hit the ground. So um, it was very cool to see and not just be stat bonuses for the amulet, but also just, you know, let's, let's make some of our specific, abilities and and sometimes it's like just as simple as your uh as your death from above or it's like directly targeting like a very specific weapon and a very specific move like there's a lot of options with that amulet yeah i really like in general just a lot of the systems felt cleaner to me in this game than in the first one there was less time mucking about with stuff a lot of less time micromanaging and like you said ryan a lot of options that had really clear build arounds and and Joss, I agree, it's people that decided they wanted to pick one thing to do. You just search for everything with that word on it, or the mm-hmm. attack you use the most, and you put it on, and then you go do that attack. And then here you are. It, it's I I feel like the game, even thinking back to you can go wherever you want, you can do the story mission next, but you should do these side quests first because you won't have the options. Making all the items pretty clear about what abilities they buff. The game is designed to be accessible for an audience that doesn't necessarily play as many games because the first one was such a transformative experience into the genre and they lay it out for you here's what's gonna happen to allow people to engage the way they want to engage there's depth to it but also if you just do what the game says you'll be fine yeah absolutely there's a lot of that Uh, (laughs) yeah (laughs) all right so let's let's talk about what the game says let's talk about the story but before we do wanted to say a quick thank you to our patrons over at patreon.com slash the gamers in in particular our december patron ken thank you so much for supporting the show also wanted to remind you guys that we have a holiday party happening friday december 16th over on ryan's stream at 8 p.m eastern this is a an extra life event so if you guys do want to support the children's miracle network of hospitals through the gamers in you can do so by going to bit.ly slash tgi extra life 2022 we still have a ways to go before our goals so uh help out if you can uh, let's talk about the story. There are so many. I, I feel like overall, this story I preferred so much to the first one. I thought it was like the dialogue was better written. I thought it was more interesting. You got to see a lot more from a lot more characters. I far preferred this story, even though I hated the Atreus stuff. But other than that, <laughs> uh, I thought overall, this was a much more um, pleasurable experience to me from the story side of things. What about you, Ryan? Yeah, um, 
Well, I mean, we we talked a little about uh, about this before on a previous episode, but I think like well, we didn't get into spoilers, no. right? So <laughs> no, and, and I'm, spoil away, do it. I will. Let it all out. Guess what? Kratos lives. Um, yeah. <gasps> yeah. Oh, what shocker! How could it you? It actually kind of was a shocker, <laughs> especially knowing that this was the second of two, right? Like it's a yes. natural ending to just like kill your main character if you don't want to make any more <laughs> of his games, right? Oh, well, they all alert. spent 30 hours telling us you're going to die, you're going to yes. die, you're going to yes. die, you're going to die. <laughs> yeah, I, I think um, uh, I think the difference between this game and, and the first game is that the first game doesn't really have, it has one clear goal. We need to get these ashes to the to the highest peak of all of all the realms. And Which was dumb. Yeah. Well, anyway, I mean, it was good. I liked it. Jocelyn did not. And did again, not. We've, we've talked about that before. Jocelyn yeah. also likes Heimdall. Yes, exactly. <laughs> Thank you, Hat. Thank you. I knew I knew you'd come in and save me. I shouldn't have told you guys that. I know. <laughs> Never gonna gonna it Absolutely should not have. <laughs> Gee, you like the jerk and you dislike respecting your dead mother's wishes. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. It was, it was a stupid wish. Well, is it? <laughs> no, it's not. I don't think so. Anyways, anyways. Team Heimdall Continue, is just Ryan. rocking it tonight. Um, what what was I saying? Oh, um, yeah. So the first game has like a very clear goal. And the whole game is just about you being knocked off that path towards your goal or realizing that your 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 end game is, is you know, the ashes have to be spread on a different mountain, basically. This game, Ragnarok, it, it's... Um, it's there's there is less of a clear goal like it, it is basically to survive Ragnarok or avoid Ragnarok and and then that changes over time as as different characters get involved in the mix and I think as Dawson said like the writing is really well done to basically craft this unsure path as we navigate Fimble Winter towards Ragnarok and dealing with Odin and Thor and Yes, Heimdall, who I I had no idea was going to be in the game, but Jocelyn has subscribed to the Heimdall newsletter and knew right away. <laughs> um, you know, uh, Heimdall's Substack is is just it's it's so great. But uh, yeah, no, I um I just think that this game tells a better story overall. But like I I also kind of like the way that they they do the switch with um the the prophecies and they basically like they hold true to the prophecy you saw at the end of the first game and that an old man died in in uh, Atreus's arms but it wasn't Kratos like i i felt like Jocelyn i felt like you specifically would have hate kind of hated that uh, am i wrong or <laughs> i mean a little bit like <laughs> i i i don't know it's like so the whole idea like they really dove into that a lot in in this game was the idea of like prophecies and how like um trying to avoid prophecies often makes them happen <laughs> so I, I thought that was kind of interesting. But then, yeah, like, I mean, I looked at that just, I mean, the giant style of art was so open to interpretation, period. And I was yeah. just like, how is everyone looking at this art and seeing Kratos? Like, am I missing something? Because <laughs> he didn't have all his tattoos or anything. And I was just like, I don't understand why everyone's just decided that this is Kratos. Is that because we think that Atreus cares for no one else and wouldn't cradle anyone but his father like that? Like, I didn't understand where that came from. And, and I, I was often very happy that like Mimir was there because he would be like, Oh, that's this and this and this. And I was like, good. Cause I don't even see wolves in that. So, <laughs> <laughs> and like, 
I was really glad that the characters were kind of explain those tableaus a little bit because most of the time I had no idea what was going on or like I might recognize like one character or something. But then like the one that they look at at the very end with like um, their or, um, Atreus's mom, um, like I recognized her in the first panel, but I could not tell you at all what was going on in the second panel. And then at the end, I was like, okay, so that's her funeral. I recognize that at least. But like that whole middle panel, I'm like, what is happening? <laughs> so yeah, I don't know. I'm like the whole idea of the prophecies and how they were like presented, I found very confusing. <laughs> and yeah, did you know, like they they came around to a point where somebody died in Atreus's arms and it had all the swirly bits around and that kind of made sense. But I was just like, yeah, this is a uh, weird. Okay, <laughs> moving on, basically. Hat, what did you think about the whole like use of prophecies in the story? And like, am I just super dumb? Can I just like not interpret art, period? <laughs> I'm just glad that wasn't me because I lost track of like the prophecy was happening the whole game and then suddenly it just kind of didn't. <laughs> and I wasn't sure why. It was explained to me after that when we did the thing with Surtur's heart and used the Blades of Chaos instead, that that was the loophole. Um, okay, sure. Like the <laughs> When we talked to the Norns, they seemed pretty clear on knowing what was up. Yeah. Like, they really knew what was going on, so they didn't see that, like, his blades were hot. I don't, I don't know if I buy that, but uh, <laughs> that was, honestly, that was like one of my favorite exchanges, though, when the Norns basically. Oh, I really enjoyed said, that sequence. <laughs> yeah. When they were just like, um, we're not all that great. We don't really see too much. You guys are just stupid and you make bad decisions <laughs> consistently. So you make us look good. <laughs> you know, Heimdall would have invited the Norns to his birthday party. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. They're best friends and we know it. Like, yeah, Heimdall and the Norns get along famously um because especially that one that would finish everyone's sentence but not in a cute <laughs> way um yeah i i fully expected there to be a boss battle at the end of the norns and I'm like all right i guess we're we're gonna tear these uh these norns yeah, apart freya and... seemed like she was done yeah <laughs> she, she was uh, gonna oh, she was ripping mad. <laughs> she snapped she's like, she if you finish mad. my sentence one more time there's only gonna be two norns yeah. um it's uh, like that's a really good point. Like from from a prophecy perspective, like the Norns are just basically saying like you you mortals are just so easy to predict. And um, I never really like when we saw the prophecies that whole section in Ironwood where um, they're painting them and you're you're opening them up and you're kind of looking at them and and stuff. Uh, I never really paid too much attention to them outside. Like the one prophecy I paid attention to was like. The, the end of the first game where it was essentially you saw quote unquote Kratos's death. And then you get the rest of that prophecy at the end of Ironwood and, and Atreus is kind of like not very happy about what he's seeing. And most of it comes to fruition. Like he goes to Asgard. He, he is hanging out with Odin and, and it's fairly jovial. Like it's not a, yeah. It's, yeah. No one's a prisoner. <laughs> exactly. And again, like to me, it was like, Oh, maybe Maybe, like you said, the prophecies are very are so vague. Um, but Angerboda, I think, is her name. Yeah, yeah. It's almost impossible for them to be wrong because they're so vague. Exactly, and I think you know maybe it is like, oh, I just forgot I put the eye patch on the wrong side of that old dude's <laughs> face. Um, and and that now it's Odin, and I think like 
it all comes down to the fact that the real ending prophecies, whether you, again, Jocelyn probably hated this, but the real ending prophecies were hidden in a cave and you get them at the very end after everything happens and you get Faye's story and you get Kratos' story, which basically would have solved a lot of problems. Like if that yes! tablet, if, if that um, prophecy yeah. room was at the very beginning of the game, it's like, oh, well, then we're fine. <laughs> you know? Yeah. <laughs> um, but it's like, you know, it's, it's, like, uh, it's like watching... It's like a thing that would be solved by having cell phones. It's not as interesting. So like the prophecy being at the end of the game, I guess I could, you could have had that scene removed. I feel like maybe they put it in there to kind of like maybe make Faye like a stronger character. Like it's still hard to understand like why she did what she did. Although they did try by putting in some additional scenes. Yeah. It was really hard to understand um, what she, not only why she did what she did, but even just like what she did. Like there were these like kind of Easter eggy pieces of information, specifically in the in Svartalheim with the dwarves, where they were like, "Yeah, she was like this rebel leader, or whatever." But then the rebellion failed, and it was like, "Oh, okay," but she's a giant. So how did she end up here with you guys? And you know, like, what was her life like as a giant? And also, like, what did she die of? <laughs> Yeah, what the hell happened there? What happened? <laughs> it, like, okay, in those scenes where she's going around preparing the trees with Kratos, that's that's her setting up what she wants, like her final wishes of the funeral pyre. But like, she, it seemed like she knew she was dying, but Kratos did not. I mean, it's either that or she killed herself. Like, honestly, that's where I'm at now is I'm like, what? Because she's supposed to be a giant and they have these like incredibly long lifespans unless teenage looking Faye was actually 900. Like, <laughs> I was just so confused. Pat, what about you? Um, so there were a lot of things about Faye's portrayal. We'll start there. Yeah. I didn't quite get most of it. However... Her calling Kratos grumbles makes it all worth it. <laughs> it was so good and heartfelt. Like the performance that the character that the actress gave was really, really great. I don't know if I like love just how vague it was and the like. I don't mean to be petty, but the character model was just a little off-putting, just a little weird. Yeah, uh, didn't didn't feel like it fit compared to the rest of the characters in the game. Um, and she was the only model that I really felt that way about. But something felt a little weird. But when I'm talking about the story here, like. So the difference between the first game and this game, the first game felt like a almost like a memoir in a way. It was a small story with big set pieces, right? It's about a father, a mother present, a mother absent, uh, a, a young child and a grown child, right? It's about Kratos, Faye, Freya, Atreus, and Baldur. Those are the characters the game is about. Everything else happens around them, but it's all about their relationships, their interactions, about love, about family. And, you know, there are some big set pieces, right? Like the world serpent exists and, and like rumbles at you and changes the water level. The final boss fight is against a dead giant brought back to life that you have to smash. Like it's, there's, there's a lot of big set pieces, but it's a small story that has a lot of big context. Ragnarok is a Marvel movie. I do not mean that as an insult. Listener, if you heard that as an insult, that's not what I said, not what I meant. But this is the Avengers, where you have a lot of different characters that each have their own moments. The dialogue's a lot more punchy. There are a lot more callbacks and catchphrases and clear motivations that wrap themselves up. Most characters get pretty clear story arcs. There's one major exception that I'm still upset about um, that we'll talk <laughs> about a little bit. Uh, but, like, 
you even have the schmaltzy post-fight walk-through and everybody compliments each other thing <laughs> that you see at the end of a superhero yes. movie. It is totally a superhero movie, and there's nothing wrong with that. The story is like, it knows where it's going. It gets you there at a reasonable pace unless you're riding a yak. And again, this is not Yala's fault. She was just around for that. Um, but it's, I don't think it's better or worse, but as someone that resonated a lot with the first story, this one wasn't quite what I was expecting. Didn't dislike it, but it moved to the brisk pace. The characters were fairly self-contained. I do think that both Atreus and Kratos were really, really tropey this time. They mm. retread a lot of ground. Atreus especially was just so like teenager stereotype. And just if he maybe articulated himself slightly better, people were like, oh, okay, we get it. Uh, yes. All he had to do was <laughs> maybe just explain what he was thinking instead of yelling and then running away. But, yes. you know, it's <laughs> what you're going to do. Uh, I don't mean to be on Team Heimdall here or anything. Like I'm just saying, maybe explain yourself. <laughs> oh, you are you are getting so <laughs> close. You are you are going to come to the dark side. I can feel it. Um, but this kind of all of the comments, everything that you're saying, it very much brings up the the idea or the conversation around a two game arc, two game arc versus a trilogy because they kind of like came out and said when they announced Ragnarok, like, this is it. This is the end of the story. We are taking what we started in 2018 and we are finishing it here. And I think everyone kind of went, oh, really? And it felt at a few different points in the story, to me anyways, like, I wish we had more time in this realm or with this character or to explore this theme. And we probably could have done that if you made three games instead of two. And I understand the devs argument of like, it took us, you know, four years to do this. If we did a trilogy, it would take us another four years. And then you've got almost a decade between, you know, the first game and the last game. And that's not great from a, you know, continuity wise, tech wise, all of that stuff. They didn't want to do it. They wanted, you know, this four year gap and it to be, you know, as, as consistent as possible. But it did feel uh, in some parts, not necessarily like rushed. I don't want to say rushed because that kind of has negative implications, but it's like it, there were some story beats and some characters that I felt could have benefited a little bit from some room to breathe as opposed to feeling like, okay, now we got to get on to the next thing and on to the next thing. And as much as they kept telling me to hold back and like, we've got time to do side quests and whatever, there also was that like pace to the story that did feel a lot faster because they were trying to fit more stuff in. Ryan, what do you think about like what they crammed in to uh, two games instead of three. Yeah, well, I mean, I, I I almost feel like, and I know the developers have said, like, we did not cut anything. We were, we managed to fit everything we would have told in um, a second and third part in just this second part. But you're right, like, there are moments where it feels like we've, we've solved this problem and another uh, problem or opportunity has presented itself and we got to go there next. Like, there's no... There's they again, they set up the story in a way where like if we want to solve Ragnarok and figure out Odin and what he's trying to do and, and just kind of understand what's going on, we need to move on to the next step. But like we don't need to do it right now. So but there's a lot of that setup, those set pieces that are set up of like we just did this. Now we got to go over here. So it feels like it does move at a brisker uh, pace, but it doesn't punish you both from a design and from a story standpoint of like going in a different direction because they do flesh out all the realms like even um you know and they flesh out the the ravens as well they they give they give uh i think it's niflheim 
Uh, it might be. It's, oh, it's, the Raven Tree. Yeah. It's so creepy. Oh, oh my God. When the ravens there. talk to you. <laughs> oh, it's so creepy. I um, I don't know if you experienced uh, experience this hat, but I had a bug where if I, like near the end of the game, I'm, I'm trying to finish everything. I, I did end up platinuming it and I, um, I was trying to kind of get everything and I was jumping between realms. And because it's the PlayStation 5, it moves at a, a it loads so quick. I think I experienced a bug where I went to Niflheim to see if I could unlock one of the chests uh, that the ravens, you know, the more ravens you kill, the more chests you can open. I go in there quickly. Oh, can I open a chest? No. Okay. I run back out and I'm in Muselheim and I can hear these whispers and I'm like, <laughs> I like the audio oh. from the ravens had kind of bled over into the, uh, unless I'm, unless I'm mistaken, it's just a feature of Muselheim as well, but uh, it was super creepy. Um, but yeah, there's, there's stuff to do in, in all the realms. They bring back like uh, Muselheim trials and, um, they don't bring back the mist maze from the first game, but I think that's, that's probably a good thing. Um, they replace it with some other stuff, but yeah, it just, it felt like they, they told a, a beginning, middle end story. And, and, um, the first game honestly could probably be outside of a few story beats could probably be ignored and you could just watch the five minute previously on that's included in the game. <laughs> and, uh, yeah, they, you know, Faye passed away. Um, Balder was, was doing some bad stuff. You know, you need to know Balder's story in order to understand why Freya is so upset, but like, yeah, it just, it felt like this one moved much quicker. It's the end of the Norse saga. Um, but this game does set up, like it leaves a lot of questions lingering. Like we still don't understand a lot about what happened to the giants. Um, yes. Except that they're marbles or yeah, something. I didn't really understand. <laughs> you don't even know that. what happened to one giant. What yeah. happened to Faye? What happened? <laughs> we'll never know. It's no true. one seems to really mind that. I mean, yeah. And she she did pass away. And I mean, I think maybe that's where the mystery dies with that one in the sense that um because she's dead, who cares? She, well, not not who okay, she's dead. Pause. Not who cares, but like the characters that loved her have accepted what happened to her and and she just died. Like, you know, natural causes. Moving on. Maybe the maybe the yeah, who knows? And and I mean that goes back to the giants. Like it was so hard to understand why the giants all they didn't die. They hid inside these marbles, but then they're they left their corpses behind. Was that the idea, or was it magic that left the? It's so hard to I understand. I don't know either. And well, and then you know, and that kind of honestly, that not knowing, that not really understanding, like the marbleization of the giants. Uh, didn't really bother me at the time because it very much felt like when we were learning all that stuff that either Loki was going to pass that off to his friend, whose name I'm totally anger Angerboda. Yeah, um, he was going to pass that responsibility to her, or it was going to be something we were going to deal with in like DLC or something like that, which uh, still may be what happens. Um, it did kind of seem like there were some story pieces that were being set up for future content which is all fine and dandy if it hadn't come into play in the very final story beat of the game when odin dies and then it's like all of a sudden the marbles are pivotal and i'm like <laughs> i don't even understand what's happening right now like is odin dead is odin not dead is his soul still there oh now he's smashed is he dead he's now dead. <laughs> like, he he I was so confused. That's what came next. <laughs> he did now. Oh yeah. man. Well, yeah. 
I did. I don't know because, like, I guess his soul didn't have a vessel anymore, so he just went whoosh. I uh, yeah, I was just like, I wish that they had taken more time to explain the giant story, so that then I understood like the weight of what was happening and like Atreus's choice to like put Odin's soul in the marble and and blah 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 and everyone passing it around like a party favor. Like, <laughs> I would just really wanted some clarity on like that plot point and how that magic worked and you know how you might get somebody out of a marble because for 30 seconds that seemed to be very important like can odin get out again before sindri went all ballistic and smashy but like i i just uh, i don't know i was so off put by the marble bit <laughs> because they didn't explain anything like i think the the marbles were there to explain um like again, like I think the giant stuff is the they are so mysterious in in Norse mythology. They're so mysterious in um, these God of War games that they keep that mystery alive. Like we don't know why they put their souls in these marbles. It was likely to escape Thor and Odin's wrath because they, you know, it was very clear Thor loves killing giants. And I mean, it's a lot easier to hide, I guess, these marbles than it is to hide, you know, um, the rest of the giants. But um, you know, they, they go into using that marble, like he, um, Atreus puts, uh, one of the souls into the snake and then that snake is like growing larger. It's like, oh, that's why, you know, um, the giant snake in the first game recognizes Loki because he, he knows him. He's, he put his soul into the snake and, and Thor hits him at the end of uh, Ragnarok and he goes back in time. Like there's that stuff there. Okay, I like I, oh man, I'm so confused. By, <laughs> like, I mean, time travel stories tend to confuse me, anyways, and I find that if they're not well told, like, I just end up with so many questions and it breaks my brain. But uh, yeah, I was just like, when he put the soul into the snake, I was like, oh, okay, so this becomes the world serpent, but the world serpent already exists and is big, but this one's getting bigger. Um, question yeah. <laughs> so i'm glad that like that i'm glad that you like confirmed that my thinking at least for that was kind of right that 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 snake with the soul in it is the world serpent right yeah because he's, okay. he's a giant and, it was heavily implied yeah, yeah okay <laughs> and and they i think and this is the thing i think that um like the first game and the mysteries that were there with with Faye and and the giants and trying to sort out what happened and you get a little bit of answers but you don't get all of them and and this game continues that sort of trend of like you get some more answers, but as Agrabota uh, puts it, you know maybe I'll answer some of your questions, but not all of them. You're not going to get all your answers here, and and you don't in this game. And and it basically like the way the game ends, um, you you might get those answers in a game that Jossen will never play because Heimdall won't be in it, <laughs> um, or or you'll get those answers down the road. I I don't think there will be DLC. I think that the designers have been pretty clear. Like this is already a huge game and um, we don't want to make more of it. Um, but yeah, it's, it's hard to say where the story goes from here, but like it, it feels like they really do wrap it up outside of Jocelyn's least favorite character walking <laughs> off into the sunset. <laughs> well, he didn't walk off into the sunset. He walked off to the side of the cave and we it was just really never awkward, looked I over thought. our shoulder. It was so strange. Was <laughs> okay. Be before we get to that, yeah. Before we get to that, I got to reel it in for a second. All right. I want to say specifically, the side characters in this game were really well done. Mm -hmm. More than the main characters. In particular, every time Odin talked, I stopped what I was doing and just paid full attention. His writing 
was so incredible that he was he reminded me of the Joker in the Dark Knight where like, you know, he's not a great person, but he's just so damn seductive and convincing. And it seems like he's got some kind of thing going on here. Just when he's talking to Atreus and Atreus, like you tried to kill us. And it's like only after I offered peace and your dad said no, by the way, like it's just so compelling that Thor was really well done and more complex than he initially appeared. And you could tell it deeply troubled Sif and Throod were fascinating. Uh, the, oh, you know, the, I the, loved Sif, Sif and Throod, like both of them and their relationship. And, you know, you didn't even necessarily get to see very many conversations between the two of them, but you got to like talk to them individually. And, uh, and then at the end when, when Sif kind of reveals why she's been making Throod's life so difficult and kind of like, telling her she can't be a Valkyrie and all the rest of it is like when, when they do that reveal, it was just kind of like, wow, that's amazing. And I love it. <laughs> yeah. And really like, I think thinking back to what both of you were talking about, about the, the way the story moved. Um, the first game was a game about relationships. And this is a game about things that happen about plot points, about timing uh, events. But the first game is about relationships, so you can strip away a lot of that first game if you're just looking at the timeline. Because a lot of that first game, what was compelling for some of us, uh, was the <laughs> was the relationship growth and the way the characters interacted. Whereas this game is all about this thing happens, this thing happens, this thing happens. There are a lot of things, and they all happen, and there's like events and whatever. And then like you go into outer space and fight two like evil Valkyries, and your son's a bear now. Like it just <laughs> shit goes down. <laughs> Yeah, he's a bear and a wolf. That's true. In outer space, yeah. he's a space bear. In the second game, your son turns to a space bear. In the first one, you got to climb a hill. Like, there's just a big difference. You're not wrong. They go to space. There is a oh, space man. sequence. Uh, there, there's just a really big divide between those two things. Yeah. It, it needs to be called out. But it's, the side characters, I think, are more compelling because the way the main characters were handled, especially at the end, especially Atreus, it's really unsatisfying to me. Atreus disappearing and never coming back. And in particular, can we talk about this yet? Can we do it? What are, we, what are we talking about? Oh, oh, no, we're not, we're not, we're not okay. quite there yet. We're not quite right, there. I'll hold we'll it in. I'll hold I promise. Um, okay. It yeah. So, but I do want to talk a little bit about Atreus and Kratos, like our main characters and their story arcs. Cause I felt like um, Kratos was like, hanging back a little bit more in this one like we got even less kratos if that was possible from someone who just grunts <laughs> but like i did find that like by the end particularly in the last couple of hours like he had this whole like we make our own decisions like prophecies don't rule our lives we do things because they're necessary not because they're written and then like kind of by the end he got to this place of like people can change and that was his whole thing with like we have to be better and then that was his big thing in the at the end of the thor fight that finally made thor come around because thor's like you're gonna kill my daughter and he's like no <laughs> we don't have to do this would you just stop for a second <laughs> which you know then ends in thor's death which is really really sad um in front of his daughter too like that was brutal and and definitely, obviously, like <laughs> Odin had turned long before that, but um, it was kind of like putting a very fine point on it, I think, for everyone that like Odin is a bad dude. OK, like we got to get rid of this guy. But um, I, I kind of liked Kratos's arc in that way. It felt like he 
was a different character by the end, which I liked versus Atreus. I felt like he didn't really have a change over the course of the game, if that makes sense. Yeah, it's a it's a it's a less it's a more gradual change. I mean, he's still he's still uh, I mean, by the end of the game, uh, he he feels as though he can go off on his own. And I, I feel like he is capable enough to do that uh, since he, he Which, does. Like, spend... If we're just talking about like combat prowess, like I guess his confidence a little bit, too. But like, I just don't feel like that's a very like hat said, like a very satisfying story arc. No. Like, yeah, you can you can go and have your own adventures now. Woohoo. Yeah. I, I was satisfied when we switched back to Kratos. <laughs> That was when I was satisfied. Yeah. <laughs> you never had to see Atreus again, even if you go through yeah. all the post-game content. You literally just, can't. You can't, yeah. You literally he's just gone. <laughs> no, I know. That, yeah, he's gone. He does not come back. And uh and it, I I think that um I think you know, as someone who didn't I didn't mind Atreus' stuff uh, uh you know that that much. I, I, I did I did enjoy it when I was playing as Atreus. Um but I think that his story arc gives us um more of a a look at the characters like like we said earlier like you wouldn't have you wouldn't have seen otherwise like kratos wasn't going to go on adventures with thor and if you look at previous (laughs) god of war games um the bad guys are always the the walking dead bad guys at least the early seasons where they're just Mm. evil and they're always going to be evil no matter you know what happens and you just you got to kill them and that's that is like the first three or four black and white Yeah. And in this game, like, yes, Odin is still evil and Odin still takes that crown of the original God of War games where it's like, he's bad. He's always going to be bad and we're gonna have to fight him to the death. But even in this game, they kind of like switch it up where we as Kratos and Atreus don't kill him. We essentially put him in, in marble prison. It's, it's Sindri (laughs) that that kills him. Um, And then his body is destroyed alongside Asgard, but like Atreus's sections there might not be as much of a very clear character development and and maybe we'll get more of that with whatever they do with the character after this game but it still felt like there was there was a progression of um of of the story maybe not of uh, for Atreus but uh he was still he was still a whiny teenager by the end um <laughs> but uh yeah like he I, I i didn't mind it but i and i think it was less about Atreus and it was more about the people he was hanging out with which mm-hmm. I think we've all said for sure. So do we actually think, I know Ryan, you mentioned that the devs have said that they're not doing any DLC or anything, but do we think that we're going to get any kind of closure on Atreus and the giants? Like, do you want any closure on Atreus and the giants? Does nobody care? <laughs> I care. Um, <laughs> I, <laughs> okay. I mean, <laughs> okay. Ryan cares because Ryan likes and cares about everything, but <laughs> it is true. I, I mean, I, I, I like and care about everything I talk about on this show. Um, the, but I think that, uh, yeah, like I, I think, oh, is there going to be another God of War game? Yes. Is it going to be, is Kratos going to be in it? Most likely, but is it going to focus more on Atreus going to different lands to try to find the giants? Most likely. I think Atreus is, we're going to get that story. It might not be a God of War game, but it'll be it'll be like a God of War adjacent game. They might have to change the name to like Atreus of the Giants or something. I, I don't know what they call it, honestly. I'm, I'm... Loki of the Yotnar. <laughs> <Yeah. laughs> uh... Yes. <laughs> See? See? You are coming over to Team Heimdall. I can feel it. Uh, no. Do you care about Loki <laughs> and the Giants? <laughs> 
I care about Sindri. Atreus can show up if he wants because that's necessary to Sindri's story. Yes. But it's yeah. Like, okay. So I, let's let's talk about Sindri because I feel like if we don't talk about it soon, your head might explode. Um, I'm boiling over. It's tough. It's <laughs> yeah. Yeah, Sindri's story. Um, I felt uh the the turn was unexpected and like I hated it a lot. <laughs> Maybe I'm way out there, but um, I mean. Especially when Sindri of the two Dwarven brothers was the one who was helping Atreus specifically to find Tyr. Like, I don't know why he got so mad. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, isn't he just like, isn't he like, he's basically his actions after um, Odin kills Brock is essentially what, um, like, the folks who don't like Atreus because he's a whiny teenager, he basically, like, brings back all those memories of, like, yeah, you're a whiny teenager and you killed my brother by, like, welcoming Odin into our house and basically setting up all this madness and now I'm going to hate you forever. Like, he is grieving and he basically hates whiny teenager Atreus. I'm surprised you hated it, Jocelyn, because he just he's, well <laughs> he hates Atreus so much. he's just channeling me, yeah. <laughs> and, like, so that's kind of the thing is, like, but he he's so mad at Atreus, but he was like team Atreus before that. Yes. Like it seemed like such a big flip. And all of a sudden he was very specifically blaming Atreus. And then at the funeral, almost like Kratos, too, for some reason, um, even though Kratos the whole time was like, let me go back to my wolves and not do any of this ever, <laughs> please. Yeah. So I, I just found like his his reactions to his previous like friends and companions to be like, I understand he's grieving his brother, but I felt like it was a lot of like misplaced rage because I mean, like he's the one who brought Brock back way back in the day. Right. And never told him. And as a result denied Brock an afterlife. So when he died now, like he's, he's dead, dead as well. Like he doesn't get to go to, I don't know, did, is it only Asgardians that go to Valhalla? Or I guess he doesn't get to go to hell, which is a thing people want to do, I guess. I'm not sure. It <laughs> seemed like a pretty shitty realm, but who am I to judge? You're the light of place. Alfheim. The light of <laughs> oh, Alfheim. the light of Alfheim. Right, right, right. There's so yeah, many dead places. <laughs> right. Yeah. Well, Asgard's pretty, pretty, really dead now. They, yeah, they really, up. really dead. <laughs> blowed up. Yeah. Um. So it's, I like... The Sindri story wasn't badly done. It just wasn't finished, right? The yeah. the thing that's missing is the opportunity for catharsis. Atreus didn't go to the funeral, which pissed me off. Yeah. I was like, I, he needed to show up. He needed to show up there. There needed to be some kind of catharsis. And instead, it just left open. And there's nothing we can do to get anybody back. There's no player agency there. It made me want to do the post game less. Because every time I went to the shop and I didn't see Sindri, I was so sad that it was just left that way open and this raw wound. And I understand, yes, in the real world, like, this is what grief looks like. This is the reality. But I play a video game, so I don't feel terrible about what happens <laughs> in the real world. And I don't think that it was all that unreasonable to give us some chance to at least have a conversation, have a single conversation, have Atreus come to the funeral just some acknowledgement of the misplaced grief because like the points are all here. Sindri is misplacing this grief over his own guilt over what he did to Brock many, many years ago. The, the bit about how he tells us how he always 
needs to be clean because of the light of Alfheim, feeling like they were crawling over him. And then when Brock dies, he's dirty again. He doesn't he doesn't care anymore. There's a lot of really important, relevant, significant character evolution here. It just, we don't get to finish the story arc, so we lose something by playing the game. And it really upset me. Like, I don't think it's poorly done. I just think they didn't finish it. Yeah. Well, I mean, considering they've called this the the end of the Norse saga, and um, it, it, it feels like it should have been, like, you know, Atreus walking off screen like that's fine i mean i'm I, even though i enjoyed atreus as a character i'm still fine with that being left open-ended because it makes sense for the for the character and for kratos to basically be like yeah you're cool you can go ahead we'll see it thanksgiving um <laughs> you know uh but i think that you're absolutely right like with what happened with Sindri, like they have to address it like they cannot leave that um left like it would it's so weird and and actually unlike these two games to leave that hanging and i think it's just made worse by the fact that they have said that the this is the end of the norse saga but there's enough at the end of this game to basically be like okay if we come back to these characters they will address atreus they will address sindri and kratos will show up but i I don't think there'll be a it won't be focused on Norse mythology it'll be focused on something else but Sindri has to that has to be addressed but you're right like it happens so close to the end of the game but yeah I don't think it's going to be like if they like if they have well I know that they have said that this is the end of all the Norse stuff and so like if it's the end of the Norse stuff then like Sindri is is part of Norse mythology right the whole Brock and Sindri thing um I I don't think that they will be back and if they don't do any kind of um dlc expansion whatever like if they are done done then i don't think we see the atreus and the giant story either unless somehow that ends up being the thread that leads us over to like the egyptians or something and you know because it very much seemed like kratos was good like you know on his way to figuring out how to be well odin taunts him like part way through right and says like you've never been worshipped you've never known that kind of love and blah 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 and that's like the end of his story, right, is like he sees himself with statues and being worshipped and being the actual god of war. So, like, maybe Atreus in his search for the giants will end up in Egypt and Kratos will be like, hey, I haven't been to Egypt yet. Maybe I can kill their god of war. Maybe they need a god of war. Who knows? <laughs> I I think he's just a supportive father figure in, in the future. Uh, you know, I think really, like, you know, um, Sindri returning with a game focused or a story focused around Atreus and his journeys for the giants. Um, that's where Sindri comes back in. And, and, and um, it, it, I, I have, I imagine Sindri is going to want revenge against Atreus. I think that, and again, me saying that aloud sounds like a terrible idea, but that's probably <laughs> what they're setting up, right? It's, it's the exact, it's very similar to, you know, the Balder and Freya situation and Freya hating Kratos. And it took, it took a good half of this game for them to get to a point where they could be allies again. Yeah. That journey. And again, like we, they weren't going to make that shift with Sindri in the last hour of the game, but I agree with you. Like Atreus not showing up to the funeral. That was, um, that felt, it felt like they just needed to keep the post game alive in the sense of like, well, if we have Atreus show up, it's going to be awkward because he's, what are we going to have him walk off screen again? Like (laughs) we lose that moment, you know? Um, 
but yeah, like, yeah, I did all the post game stuff and, and exploring the realm, uh, with Kratos and, um, uh, Freya, Freya. It, it like, it didn't feel, it, it, it did feel a little empty knowing that both Brock and Sindri weren't going to be there at the shops, uh, and, and Atreus was, was never to return. And, you know, there's dialogue about like what Atreus might be doing and when we might see him again. And that pops up as a casual conversation between you, Freya and Amir, but it's never finite of like, we'll see him, you know, at a certain time, uh, which, which felt, it, it felt a little empty considering like he's been such a big part of these games as well as Brock and Sindri. But, um, yeah, I, I mean, you find tier at least. So that's, that's a main thing. Which is oh, also I didn't know really that. weird. Yeah, like you, you um, like actual real tier. <laughs> yeah, again, and yes. uh, Jocelyn, I feel like you would hate this because you you find a prison, and the way they kind of explain it is like, oh, they had to keep people alive in order for Odin to, you know, Odin to impersonate them. So you okay. find tier in this prison. It actually crashes. It's the it's the when you finish the game, there's this main quest of like the you know cleaning up the the remnants of oh asgard. yeah the remnants of asgard yeah, yeah yeah so one of the final ones is like a prison that lands in niflheim next to the crow tree so you get to hear that the whole time you're exploring <laughs> and uh tears at the very bottom and you're like is this one fake it's like no i think this is the real one and he's just he's just like the the tear you met at the beginning but he's like um i need to be alone so he he doesn't even want you he, you don't even get to have a conversation with the guy he wants you to leave right away so that he could be left alone um, which is, I guess, what he's been doing for years, but I guess he wants to keep doing it. Um, uh-huh. And he kind of like pops up through the worlds as you're exploring and you'll find him as he's kind of like picking up the pieces uh, of um, what has happened throughout the game and, and realizing like, you know, uh, the elves have, have formed a truce again and, and you know, Vanaheim has been freed from Asgard and there's a lot of that going on, but it just, it's, it was weird. I didn't expect Tyr to just show up uh at the end it felt a little forced but i guess you got the voice actor you got the model you might as well bring him back <laughs> so but you don't get to have that like so strange yeah you don't get that lore drop conversation with him he basically ignores you every time you come across him he tells you to leave no i'm i'm mourning in my own way i'm figuring this out and i'm like yeah but if i could just ask you a couple even about you know egypt maybe we could talk about that how you found that you know greek vase that'd be kind of cool no <laughs> he gives you nothing he Nothing. You get these little cameos scattered across the remaining eight realms, and he will talk to you for between, like, one and five lines. And he is, you know, he's like this this god of war that became a diplomat. Like, he speaks in, in vague riddles and knows everybody and doesn't really have time for you. And it's just, it's a little off-putting. It's not bad, but it's strange. Right? Because you just, you're just walking around and then like, oh, hey, Tyr. What's up, Tyr? And he's like, leave me alone. Yeah. And then it's just, there's no, there's no satisfaction to it. And we know the model and the voice actor, but we don't know this person, right? So it's, yeah. it's that sort of thing where I'm trying to talk to a podcast host that you listen to like you're their friend. Like, no, we don't know you. We know someone that sounds like you and we feel like we've talked to you. <laughs> uh, but it's, but that's not it, like, there is no relationship with us on his side. Even yeah. though we feel like we have a relationship with him. So it's just it's very parasocial. Can we can we talk about that tier like reveal a little bit? And I know that this is kind of like taking us back in time a little bit here, but um the the whole like tier reveal that it was Odin the whole time, 
Can someone maybe explain that to me a little bit? Because I feel like so I I understood slash saw it coming with just the way in the last couple of interactions that you had with Tyr and the conversations and stuff and the things that he was saying and the way that he was trying to push the the kind of crowd. And I was like, oh, I don't think that's Tyr. I think that's Odin. But what I couldn't figure out when they actually revealed that, ha ha, it has been Odin this whole time. I'm like, but Tyr was at Sindri's house with other people around him all the time. Can Odin be in multiple places at once? Like, I did not understand that at all because I was like, he, Tyr's like in the house while Odin's having conversations with Atreus. Like, what? Um, question mark? Like he never left <laughs> so how does that work <laughs> well he just needed private time in the study and then when he did that he was just raving away and no nope, he put a little sign out front of the study like don't come in <laughs> do not disturb do not disturb i've been in prison for a very long time and i'm just uh i'm hanging out so um yeah I, it's, <laughs> no it's, further questions good no of course <laughs> not i mean remember how he slept <laughs> he, he slept in a broom closet right so yeah. you just kind of like he, he just narnia away whenever he wanted to. <laughs> and and I know that was kind of on him at the wrong time. Like, OK, <laughs> this is a Marvel movie. We got to suspend this disbelief yeah, just a yeah, little yeah. bit. Got to suspend it. Yeah, I think what happens is basically like if they were to go into the room, he wouldn't be there because he would be he'd be elsewhere. And and again, like I think the way they set up the character or, you know, Odin's tier is basically like, you know, I don't. I can't help you. I don't want to do this. I don't want to do this. I'm I'm useless. I'm useless. But they keep him around because he just drops, you know, tidbits here and there. But he doesn't actively go out on the adventure whatsoever. He's just mm-hmm. kind of there to chat with you every once in a while and offer counsel. And he basically says, I'm here to offer my counsel. That's pretty much all I can do right now. And like it kind of works in the sense that like Odin can be there. And kind of like stir the pot a bit, you know, not just the stew, but also like, you know, stir the story a little bit too. But then he can like whisk away and no one's going to care because he wasn't helping with the big stuff, which was them running around, you know, tearing things apart, right? Like he was never, he went on one mission and, and then he's like never again. And I think he used that opportunity to basically, um, you know, put in stone, like, I'm not going to do that. I'm not going to come out on the adventure again. I'm going to stay, I'm going to stay home. And, and they probably didn't care if he wasn't around they just figured like well he's he's only really cooking for us it's fine you know um it felt like they kind of minimized tier because that was a bit of a letdown too because like even the marketing is like oh tier we're gonna work with tier and then you get in the game and he's like oh he's he's not gonna help us at all he's just gonna he's just gonna make he's just gonna cook and and piss brock off because he's he's putting vegetables in the stew i don't know (laughs) yeah i felt that that was like really underused like or that character was really underused and i kind of had bigger hopes for that when we actually like found him like when we started looking at the beginning of the game i was like sweet because again i had no spoilers no marketing no nothing wasn't paying attention to anything and uh so then when we started like looking for tear and i was like oh that would be really cool if like tears still around Tyr's still alive and stuff and then we found him and he was such a letdown and such a wet blanket the whole time and i was just like man this sucks i kind of wish we hadn't found tear <laughs> the whole time like my wife was sitting on the couch was like when is this god gonna do something <laughs> yes when is he gonna do something oh i will say speaking of side characters that interaction with Durlin where he has to help you in secret and is just kind of a jerk, but then you realize he was helping you. 
where he gives you yes. a fine for messing yeah, up his fine, office yeah. and then it was a map. <laughs> Loved it. Loved yeah. that whole thing. Yeah, again, back to like most of the side characters being amazing and really well done and and yeah i liked his character quite a lot too um but yeah i just i was so let down by tear um and because even when like if all you're gonna do is give counsel like because that was one of the big things about his legend right and correct me if i'm wrong but like he wasn't like a kratos god of war kill everybody god of war he was a like bridging gaps between realms and bringing everyone together. And he was more of a diplomat for, and like uh, working towards peace in a lot of cases versus, you know, obviously he had battles, but you know, for the most part, it was like, he was trying to bring everybody together. So like, even then I felt like he would have had more to say more to do. If, if all he wanted to do was lean into the peace side of things, there's still more they could have done there. I felt. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, he was more of a God of avoiding war basically, which, which yeah. is good. Like a God of, he was a God of peace. I think that, that I think Mimir even said that, like he stopped being more of a traditional God of war and more of a, a God of peace. Um, I mean, I was curious, I mean, talking about stuff that kind of gets thrown to the side and, and never addressed again, but there's, and it's, and it's mostly in the Atreus side of things is finding the mask pieces. Like, again, the journey was really yeah. cool. But then at the very end, you know, Loki gets the opportunity. Nothing to like, happens. Okay, it's, it's up to you. <laughs> he snaps the mask in half and, and, um, and then the portal, the little tear thing goes away and Odin loses his mind. I mean, that was the whole thing. Odin wanted to know the answers to all everything. Yeah. And, and that kind of goes away. And uh, like, again, it's, um, it's fine in the sense that it goes away, but we just, we never know what the mask was, what was his purpose, like, you know. Who what, made it? Who made it, <laughs> what was behind that I can sort tell of you tear. its purpose. It was a plot device. Yeah. yeah. That's what it was for. It was the mask of plot progression. Yeah. <laughs> it was the mask that brought us all together in the end to kill Which, like, and, was, I, and I do think that, that was snapping... what was in the briefcase in Pulp Fiction, by the way. Just the mask? mask? Or the tear? <laughs> I no, do think that, mask. like, the breaking it in half like was the right call yeah but then i was very confused he broke it in half which it was in three pieces before but apparently it can't stand being in two pieces and that means it <laughs> self-destructs but three pieces is fine <laughs> well i think it was designed to be in three pieces but uh i, I don't when know you, when you forcefully <laughs> snap it in half uh it, it just like it it has a temper tantrum and throws itself <laughs> back to whence it came so so Atreus snapped, and then the rift retreated. It's yes, it's Marvel. Snapped. Oh right, I was like, oh yeah, oh, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I get it now. Forget you're not all card game degenerates. I just forgot that card games exist. We've been talking about God of War for so long. Yeah, exactly. I'm in a God of War place. My head was not in Marvel Snapland. <laughs> <laughs> That's good. No, I I think you're right. Like it, it's it's one of those things where. It is a plot device. It is basically driving Odin to be this very, to make, to do all these bad things. Everything he did was in service to like figure out what was behind that portal. And it, and it basically drove every action that he had. I mean, killing all the giants was specifically because the giants could tell the future and were, were definitely, we saw hiding, you know, um, hiding the you know prophecies and stuff i thought he killed all the giants because there was a giant who was supposed to help bring around ragnarok and he thought if he killed all the giants no one could bring around ragnarok i thought everything or a lot of the things that he did were to avoid or prevent ragnarok 
I mean, yeah, I think so. But I think that was maybe, at least in my mind, I think that was previous to to this, like, finding out all the information. But I thought that he found the rift when he killed Ymir. Yeah, he's known the rift has been there for a while. And, and I think that was the idea, how he lost an eye as he... Yeah, he tried to look he in looked when he shouldn't, shouldn't have. Yeah, um, yeah, it's um, well another one of those uh, things that, like <laughs> that will definitely not on? be answered. But I have no yeah. idea what's going on. That mystery will be left aside because again, like I think Kratos explains it really well in that like anything that's that's offering you you know complete and total knowledge, the price is just not worth it. And and Loki slash Atreus at the end is just like it's it's not even worth trying to figure it out. Let's let's stop here and. And and Atreus was never putting the mask together to look behind the portal. He was putting the mask together to try to get closer to Odin and stop Ragnarok. I think that was that that was his true sort of drive there. But um, he got really close to giving that full complete mask to Odin. Yeah, <laughs> like too close uh, for my a taste. couple times. Yeah, but uh, I got it all worked out in the end, I suppose. And he walked off up those stairs that were weirdly placed to the side. I don't know. <laughs> I suppose. Hat, do you have any like final wrap it up thoughts? Anything you want to get off your chest about Ragnarok before we wrap the show? So while I was playing the game, I felt pretty clearly that it was inferior to the first one. And at the end of it, um, I think I worked through a lot of those feelings and it's just a different kind of game. The story is really, really different. The systems are improved. The pacing in particular Outside of Iron, which I mentioned a few times, I think the game does a really good job of putting content in front of you when you're supposed to see it, putting you near side quests that are in a convenient way to get to where you're going. I also platinum the game, which I wasn't expecting to do. I felt like at first the game was kind of bloated, just jammed with side quests, but then I platinum the game in probably like 50 hours total. Not a huge time investment. Compared and to a lot very of quickly, like you, you had that platinum trophy within like a week of release, maybe less. <laughs> it, it was under 10 days for sure. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> the game keeps putting stuff in front of you. The crater at the end, which we barely talked about, is an area in northern Vanaheim that is entirely like endgame side quests. About half of the endgame content is just there and they plop it all in front of you. And you can if you finish that, you're most of the way there outside of hunting down some collectibles here and there. It moves pretty fast. And... I like I was surprised when things were over because it just kind of happened. There were a couple grindy spots I didn't love. I don't love the Muspelheim trial system. That's very grindy. Um, mm-hmm. But in the grand scheme of things, I think it is probably a better game from a gameplay pacing systems perspective. I didn't click with the story as much personally because I like the exploration of relationships in the first one. But the way the plot was driven in this one, outside of a few hanging notes that didn't have the catharsis I was looking for, I think it was well done in service of the gameplay. Enjoyed the game a lot. Um, glad I played it. Glad we got the chance to all talk about it. Uh, and I I wish they were doing another one, but also, like, I don't know where they would go with it. So I'm curious what's next for the series, if there is anything more for the series. There's got to be something. This made so much money, they can't just leave it there. Uh, yeah, that's how I kind of feel about it. It's just like, you can't just drop this. Like, we have to be going to Egypt because they make a gajillion dollars. Like, no company is going to leave a gajillion dollars on the table, especially when they've been hinting to Egypt all through 2018 and this one. Like, they're... I think that's where we're going to go next. How they do that, how they do that story arc, I have no idea, but... um. Personally, I much preferred um, this game to the first one. Um, I, yeah, I, I think I, I know. Like I, 
It wasn't a bad game. It wasn't a bad game. Um, but I think that um, just given when I played it, like I think if I had played 2018 when it came out, I would probably have different feelings about it. But I had four years of people being like, oh my God, oh my God, oh my God. And then I played it and I was like, well, you know, okay. And so I think the expectations there were just very, very high, which is then probably because I had no expectations for Ragnarok. I saw like the announcement trailer and I was like, that looks freaking cool. I want to see Thor. Let's go. Um, so like I, I had like that level of expectation and seeing that trailer that was super fun made me want to play 2018 so that I could play 2022. But uh I didn't know anything about it going in. And so my expectations weren't anything. Uh, and I think that made probably made a pretty big difference. So, um, but yeah, I, I preferred um, Ragnarok to the original. What about you, Ryan? Where do you land? Yeah. Well, I mean, it's, it's not going to surprise anybody to, to hear that. I, I really enjoyed the game and um, I think I, I preferred this one over the first one, just in the sense that it's it is an evolution, or it's a continuation, I should say, of um, both a story, obviously, but also the, the the systems, and they refine a lot of the systems, very similar to what Horizon uh, Forbidden West did with uh, with moving on from from Zero Dawn. It's like they 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 took what really worked about the first game and and the engine and and everything, and and they refined it. They added more where it needed to be put and they kind of move some stuff around and really like it's going from 2018 to this one it really feels like a one shot you can kind of just move right into the next game and have all that muscle memory like they don't start from from scratch they they really do uh pick up that original engine and and, and run with it but um yeah I, I really did enjoy Ragnarok I think it was surprising that they they did include those sections where you play as Atreus and, and whether, and that was something when I first started playing, I was like, Oh, it'd be, we definitely need to get Jocelyn to that point when we discuss it on gamers in, because it's, it is like, it's very, um, it's very rare for, for a game, especially one that is like the fifth in the series to basically say, Hey, uh, we're going to have you play as a completely different character with a completely different moveset that usually doesn't go over well. I would argue that it didn't really go over great and that it was yeah. saved by the dialogue and the story and getting to see those side characters. But yeah, I don't like all three of us said that playing as Atreus was not our favorite thing. So yeah. I think, yeah, it probably didn't. And I, I haven't paid too much attention to like outside reviews and stuff. I don't know how the wider God of War community felt about it. But uh, yeah, I think at least within the gamers in hosts that are on this call right now <laughs> can safely say it didn't really go over all that well. Yeah. Like I don't, I don't need to play like a game focused like that. Those sections didn't make me think oh, I can't wait to play a traces game next. I mean, they will continue this story with these characters because as you said, it, it as hat said, has made a lot of money, but also like, I think PlayStation is built on franchises and um, the last one that they ended probably would have been, uncharted with uncharted four but even then like there's that universe still exists they can explore different characters and they've done that and they've looked at you know exploring different corners of that of that universe and they'll do the same with god of war they'll do the same with the last of us because it's just they have a formula to make these big giant epic experiences and there's just really nothing else like it that was the main feeling i got when playing ragnarok is mm. like, there's nothing like this elsewhere on different platforms like nintendo has its thing xbox does its thing but like there's just something special about these big 
giant epic experiences that I really feel like PlayStation seems to be the only one that's delivering in my mind, in, in my opinion of the type of games that I play. Um, but yeah, it's just, it felt like they just, um, no one else kind of makes big, giant, great games like this. Uh, and, and Ragnarok was one of those, um, from the music to the, to the combat, to the gameplay, to the writing, even to the Atreus stuff, you know, it was, it was <laughs> and, and Heimdall, I guess as, as well, we yes! could throw one to team Heimdall. <laughs> I mean, he was such a jerk. Like, honestly, could they have taken any character that showed up in the MCU and make him the complete polar opposite of just a complete and utter jerk? And, uh, he's the nicest guy in the MCU. I don't know. Um, <laughs> but yeah, it, it's a really, it's a really great game. But again, like I find that if you're, if you're not a fan of God of War, if you're not a fan of Atreus, like it, it's, it's you, <laughs> there's not it's a lot a going sell. on yeah exactly yeah. <laughs> that's fair well uh hat thank you so much for joining us tonight to talk all about ragnarok um where can folks find you if they want to catch up with the rest of your content yep it's uh the hub of my content is twitter.com slash ridiculous hat i have three hearthstone podcasts a medically inadvisable amount of hearthstone podcasts you can <laughs> check all the links there uh one of them is the angry chicken with joss she's great Big fan of that show. You should go listen to that one. It's over at the uh, theangrychicken.com. Um, yeah, the ones you can find them on my Twitter bio. It's whatever. Uh, and then, uh, Ryan, where can people find you? Yeah. Well, I mean, here on the Gamers Inn, for sure. Uh, <laughs> I do not have three card game shows, uh, but, I, but I have- Don't do it. Don't no, do don't it. Do- <laughs> 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 I, I've played the games, but I do not have uh, three podcasts for it. But um, no, I mean, Gamers in on Twitter at R. Murphy. Uh, I always say like while Twitter is still existing, but it seems to be doing fine these days. It's still there. So we're good. <laughs> Absolutely. And if you guys want to continue the conversation, you can head over to bit.ly slash TGI Discord. All three of us are over there and you can catch us still talking about Ragnarok if that's your thing. Uh, also, don't forget to support Children's Miracle Network of Hospitals through our Extra Life campaign 2022 is open until December 31st. You can still go over there and donate. That is at bit.ly slash TGI Extra Life 2022. And we are doing a stream on December 16th. This is going to be our holiday party. So come and check it out. You can also visit us on the web at gamersinpodcast.com or follow us over on Twitter. You can find me, Jocelyn of Joss Plays, Ryan's at R. Murphy. And don't forget to follow the show at The Gamers Inn. Thanks for staying at The Gamers Inn. And remember, tune in next week. Bye, everybody. Bye, everyone. Bye.